It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And it's a wonderful Sunday night. Las Vegas, welcome. It's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Mateo with you from Las Vegas, of course. And my co-host all the way over on the other side of the country, TomBartonSports.com. The man, Tommy Barton. Tom, we we had the... uh, the night off. We had a great Sunday. We're ready to go. We got two hours of nonstop talk, sports talk, and it's all going to be centered on that pigskin and what we saw today in week two of the NFL. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's a week two NFL breakdown, and I sat around on my show this morning. I sat around on the Sports Garden Network this morning, and I told everybody. The overreactions from week one are usually head-spinning overreactions. Man, did we get a lot, Tim. Now, we got to have a conversation tonight and wonder, what are the overreactions going to be from the first two weeks moving forward? Because I still think we're going to get even more overreactions. Oh, no doubt about it. And if, if you'd like to jump in with us tonight, give us a call, 876-1340, or over on social media, at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports Twitter. We, we love the interaction. We love all the listeners, and uh, we love going back and forth with everybody. And, Tom, you, you said it last week on the show. Sunday night was about overreaction Sunday, week one. Then you have, on your own, Wager and Reek podcast, hashtag SGN. You talked about overreactions for week two, and it happened today, Tommy. It, it seemed like a lot of what was wronged in week one kind of came back to earth in week two. Yeah, you know, listen, Tim, seven times um, last year were, or there were seven teams uh, this year. And going back to 2014, I'll tell you the, the statistics. Seven teams got blown out by 10 points or more in week one. Seven teams, okay? Out of those seven teams, since 2014, 59% cover the spread. And 47% win the game outright. And we had a lot of that today. I looked at the card this morning. And, you know, I was trying to think about the theme of my show today, Tim. And I want to try to think about the theme of the show tonight. So the theme of the show today was there's a lot of pitfalls out there. There's a lot of holes out there because there's a lot of home underdogs, right? We had a lot of home underdogs. And guess what, Tim? The theme of the show tonight is, guys... Those are still home underdogs, right? I mean, these home underdogs, the Colts, you know, covered even though they lost. The Ravens, that you start to look at these home underdogs and you just go, man, every year they cash, every year the public doesn't learn their lesson. I actually want to kind of use something that involves you and I to, to bring up exactly what you're talking about with the home dogs and the reaction from week one to two. So Tommy and I are in the, the Hilton Super Contest. And a win, uh, cover tomorrow, right, Tom? We get the points tomorrow. We cover. We go four and one, so we'll have a good week. But when we were discussing the plays, and um, the Ravens didn't make the card, neither did the Chiefs. We didn't take either side of it. But the thing that was brought up was that the line, when it came out last week, it was three. It, it went to three and a half, really. It 
got up to four in some places, back down to three and a half. And the first thing that you and I said, and I think you approached this to me as a fan, is like, why is this line so low, Tim? After what we just saw, uh, the the uh, deficiencies that the Baltimore defense had here in Las Vegas against the Raiders Monday night, uh, how, how are they going to be able to stop? Not not just Pat Mahomes, right? Because it, it was all about Kelsey. Was everything over the middle? They were going to. There was no way that they could stop that. And we saw it again happen tonight. They were just able to succeed in shutting down their, their other weapons. But when we said we decided that 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 wasn't going to be a play, and then yet on our card. We went with the same thing of a home dog. We loved Carolina, and that was an easy win for us. Where Where is the thought process in that? Was it because we think New Orleans is overrated and that Baltimore was? It's just the way the schedule reads out. This is a tough game for them. Well, Tim, that fell into even more uh, of a trap situation. I hate to use the word trap because, uh, you know, there are there's the L word in sports betting that I don't use, right? And there's trap. I don't use the word trap game. Because no one's trying to trap you. It's just if you fall into the trap yourself. It's like seeing a, a bear trap on the floor in the woods and going, you know what? I see it, and I'm going to walk right into it. Like, I'll never have that problem because if I see a bear trap, I'm going to walk around it, right? So I don't like to use the word trap, but that trappy kind of feel of a game, right? Um, and there are just certain situations. Tim, take the jerseys off. Take the names off the jerseys. Take the teams off the jerseys. If I just say to you, okay, it's the NFL. You're a home underdog. You already have you're already intrigued. Now I say to you, you're a home underdog in week two. Now you're super intrigued. You're a home underdog in week two where your opponent came in and blew the doors off of their week one opponent. Now you're massively intrigued. And then the biggest thing is you're a home dog, your opponent comes off a blowout. And, oh, by the way, you're in division also. I mean, home, in division, underdogs, it's just unbelievable how year after year after year the same trends come up and you still still see people going out there and just going the other way. Well, let's jump into this Sunday card, Tom, and break these games down for everybody and I'll give you a sneak peek at week number three in the NFL. We'll start with, of course, what we just saw, an incredible Sunday night game. The, the uh, massively, I, I guess when you look at what the public was on, what was the public on Kansas City tonight, Tom? What percent? 93% was the last number I, I looked at. There were people talking earlier this afternoon that it was, uh, you know, 86. Could it get to 90? I saw 93% in one of the bigger casinos was the number one uh, number. I read that there were uh, sports books in New Jersey that were 96% on the Chiefs. Wow. Well, the Chiefs had a double-digit lead in this football game, Tom, and they just could not stop Lamar Jackson or the rushing attack by the Ravens, putting up well over 200 yards in this game. 36-35, the Ravens even their record at 1-1. One one. The Chiefs dropped to 1-1 one one in a game. It's, you know, we've, we've had just some exciting primetime games, but in this situation, when you look at uh, – let's look at it from the Ravens' side first. Lamar Jackson had never beaten Pat Mahomes. He uh, struggled in big-time games, but – it's a prime timer that he felt like he had something to prove after Monday night, Tommy, and he just exposed. And here's the thing I want to bring up. Did he expose an Achilles heel now that we've seen two weeks in a row of the Chiefs and the ability not to be able to stop a running attack? You know, I don't know if they exposed it as much as they showed us all what we knew. I, yeah. I mean, we knew 
that this team was going to have problems stopping the run. And I keep hearing, you know, well, the Chiefs are a decent defense. And de you know, no, they're really not. You know, you absolutely can run all over them. The problem that the league has, Tim, is that all these teams are designed to be quick strike now to keep up with Mahomes. So Cleveland and Baltimore represented two teams that I expected the Chiefs to struggle with. There's not many of these teams out there. Even a team like Tampa Bay, Tim, right? Um, they're not a running team. You know, you look at the best teams out there, not a lot of teams can do what the Ravens and the, and the Browns are able to do. And don't take anything away from what the Browns did last week because, you know, yeah, they lost the game, but let's be honest, they dominated that game for most of it. They controlled time and possession and everything else. So I don't think they exposed it as much as they just did what we all sort of knew. You're right. Cleveland, by all means, Cleveland should have won week one. I think Baltimore should have won week one. Kind of comes a little bit more into focus in week two. And I think with the Raven game plan, uh, you know, that you know everybody was talking about a, a must-win, and I was like, this, this is not a must-win week. It's week two. The Ravens, Tommy, have the second-hardest schedule in the NFL by Pittsburgh, and just so happens... You know, when you look at where the, where these games play out, it was more of a thing for for Jim or John Harbaugh to be, how do we stop KC? And I think they did exactly what you said was going to happen. Was that Kelsey was going to be able to get his, but they shut down Tyreek Hill tonight. He had nothing to say in this game. Well, yeah, and you know, I, I for the first time saw Patrick Mahomes sort of starting to believe that he was Patrick Mahomes tonight. You know, mm -hmm. there were errant throws where. He wasn't uh, kind of just throwing the ball up and hoping for the best and hitting Tyreek. He wasn't going, you know what? Look, I'm going to throw the ball in the middle of the field. It might be double coverage, but I got the best tight end, uh, you know, in the game right now. No, he wasn't doing that. He was throwing the ball up and kind of hoping for the best from Pringle and guys in fourth and fifth receivers on the team and backup tight ends. And that all of a sudden starts to become... Are you starting to believe, you know, what everyone's talking about it with you? And that's, you could no-look pass, you could throw it across the field, you could throw it in triple coverage. He got himself in trouble quite a few times tonight. And I'll tell you what, Baltimore's defense, they actually played well, but Baltimore's defense did drop a few interceptions. They, they had interceptions where I thought that they should have been there. I thought that they should have dropped. You know, Tim, Patrick Mahomes is still a guy who's vulnerable. And I think he bounces back. I still think, you know, that the, the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. And none of that changed here. But what did change is the idea that maybe this was a little bit of what they needed. You said it. They took away Tyreek Hill and they dared him to use other players. Now, Travis Kelsey made a lot of one play on his own, but he didn't pepper Kelsey. He was going to three, third, fourth, fifth receivers. Something that we talked about during the preseason, something that we talked about during the NFL preview show, and I said, I wonder who's going to be that guy that stepped up. Because Sammy Watkins used to be the guy to step up. Who's going to be able to step up? Is it Barry Pringle to step up? Is it Nicole Hardman to step up? Who was going to be that guy? The other concern that I had in the preseason, and this is why I didn't have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, is I'm still not sure they can run the ball. Yeah. Nothing alleviated those fears for me tonight. Edwards Hilaire, 46 yards. He, you know, that, that's another thing. You, you look at just the disparity in these statistics, and again, we're talking about week two, but says things as you get further on the year. I don't know if 
Kansas City just develops this this rushing attack, but it, it has to be better than what they put up. They just put up 62 yards on the ground, gave up 250. It's a huge, huge uh, dichotomy when you look at the two numbers. And look, the teams that they're going to beat them, right? Right, Tom, or the teams are going to be able to run the ball and eat that clock up? Run the ball, eat the clock, and stop the run. You know, Mahomes can beat you. But you know it's just not in the DNA for an NFL team to just say, you know what, we're abandoning the run completely. We're, we're just going to do it. Um, tonight, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a big a fumble that could have just been massive. Uh, you, you start to look at teams and you go, all right, who plays old school style? And we knew this. You know, I talked to GMs. I talked to players. I talked to coaches. And everybody for about four or five years now have been telling me, Tom, it's going to revert back, right? Eventually, it's going to revert back because the league is set up for big air plays, big strikes, big-time offensive numbers, go downfield, offense, offense, offense. And every single player I talk to, every single coach that I respect turns around and they go, you know, Tom, defense and running the football is still going to win the games. Offensive line still wins games. You know, nothing has changed to them in their minds. So you go out there and, and you say, you know what, Mahomes, we're just not going to hand the ball off. It's not going to happen. You have to have something unless people just stop respecting the run. And now they're going to play Mahomes even further back. There are not a lot of teams that can do it, Tim. And that's the thing. The Ravens are one of the few teams that can do it. The Browns are one of the few teams that can do it. But those teams that you know are competing with Kansas City, yeah, they can do it. We watched Tampa Bay do it. Right, Tampa Bay couldn't run the ball effectively in the Super Bowl, but what Tampa Bay did was they just frustrated Mahomes. They got after him. They didn't respect the run at all. They didn't even blitz. They didn't even have to blitz. They just didn't respect the run. You know, there are certain teams in this league that have what it takes to be able to do that. There are certain matchups that are just bad matchups for Kansas City. Weirdly, they actually are sitting at one and one. Tim, they should be zero and two, and these are the two two of probably three or four toughest matchups that they'll face all year. I still think they're probably the best team in the AFC. I still think that this is the team to beat. But you said, you know, did they expose the vulnerability? I don't think they exposed it. I think they just found it. Everybody knew it was there, and they were able to execute on top of it. I was reading back and forth. Obviously, Ravens fans were all for that last fourth down play. Uh other people being, I don't know if they were trying to be armchairs or not, Tom, but saying it was a stupid risk because it essentially was the game. No, it was, I, I, it was a great call in my opinion. They, they couldn't stop the run to begin with, so you got to go with your strength. And you know what? Why are you going to give the ball back to them with a chance for Pat Mahomes to beat you when, he, when you just stopped him the last two drives? He's eventually going to get on you. If, you. if you fail there, Tom, they kick the field goal and win, then, then that's just the situation. I thought it was a brilliant call. Absolutely fantastic call. Fantastic call. Look, you, you know, chances are, <laughs> if they punt that ball away, Tim, me and you are texting each other and going, yeah, Chiefs winning this. Right. Right? I mean, that's just the prevailing thought. And you have to start treating Mahomes like we treated Brady. And Brady was that kind of guy, right? I mean, Brady was the guy. But look, think about Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the history of professional football, did the same thing with Peyton Manning did the same thing on his side of the field, right? I mean, he did uh, very, very uh, similar things, and you can't give these guys the ball back. You can't give them control. You're in complete control of this game, and that's what Baltimore was. Baltimore grabbed control of this game. 
you need one yard with a running game that cannot be stopped with a running quarterback that's the best running quarterback this league has ever seen why would you not go for it you have to go for it when you know who you're staring up against you don't want to be sitting there and competing and hoping that at the end the best player in football doesn't drive you downfield and win the game no don't even let him on the field go for it absolutely 100% loved the call. And I wish more coaches did that. I wish more coaches said, I'm going to win the game instead of trying not to lose the game. Right. right. Well, the Ravens win it 36-35. Let's move ahead to next week, Tommy. Early lines, I don't. I see a couple offshores, so that's the one we'll go with. Looks like the Ravens are in Detroit, and the Ravens are 7.5 point favorites. Yeah, no offense, Tim. I kind of was hoping that your Ravens are going to lose tonight because if they lost tonight, I would have been flying to Vegas. I would have been sitting next to you with about 10,000, maybe $15,000 to bet on the Ravens to win the game. Right. Um, they were not losing three in a row. Now, all of a sudden it's an emotional win. It's on the road and against a lions team that maybe is scrappier than we thought. I can't give you a good opinion on this game until I watch the lions tomorrow because for all the good that the Lions looked like in week one, the Lions still turned around and looked bad for parts of that game. DeAndre Swift, their star running back, is still questionable even to play tomorrow night, so I don't know his status moving forward. The Lions, you know, I don't know if it's a, a team that just won't quit for Dan Campbell yet or if they just had a good week one. I have to watch tomorrow, but I'm leaning all day Ravens on this. And if somehow Detroit wins that game, Tom, we'll get a better line, I think. so. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah. I'm hoping that Detroit wins, the line falls to about six, six and a half, and then you pound the Ravens. And this is what we talked about before the game began. I, I was texting Tim, and I said, man, no offense. I hope, that, I really hope that uh, your Ravens lose, because if your Ravens lose, I'm going crazy and absolutely backing the truck up to go in and make sure that they don't go 0-3. In the same respect, what did I say, Tim? I gotta love KC next week. Patrick Mahomes has never lost a September home game, ever. Everyone is a little high on this Chargers team. Kansas City doesn't lose two games in a row. This was a national televised game. I have to, like, go out there. You just have to like Kansas City next week. KC, Tommy, has touchdown favorite right now over the Chargers at home. So I think we know what your answer is going to be on that one. You just said it. You like KC. So. Tim, I don't like teasers, but your Timmy teaser hit last <laughs> night, right? <laughs> yeah, You're 2-0. Yeah. I'm 2-0. Your Timmy teaser hit last night. What do you say about a, a six-point teaser and you take Kansas City minus one and you take Baltimore minus one and a half? It's on the list, Tom. I haven't shredded that list down, but it's definitely – I think I might do it personally if I don't release it as one of my quote-unquote public plays. But – uh yeah, we're, we're doing good so far this year. What, what about the Chargers, though? They lose another. <laughs> it doesn't matter who the coach is, right? They lose another close game today, 20-17 to 17 to the visiting Cowboys, a game that, I, again, I thought this was the Chargers game. All I was never really worried about Dallas, even after that quick start that they put on in this game. And, and uh, L.A. did a great job of shutting them down the rest of the way. They only scored the six points there on two field goals in the fourth quarter after a, a two-touchdown first. But... For whatever problem, San Diego could not get in the red. Once they got in the red zone, Tommy, they could not put it in the end zone for seven, settling for field goals. And sure enough, they, they end up with field goals short. What a weird game. 
and you said it, you know, Chargers being the Chargers kind of. And isn't that the Chargers being the Chargers every year? But I will say this, you know, and I'm not, I had not a dollar on this game, guys. And I am not a Chargers fan. I don't have Herbert as my starting quarterback in fantasy. There's no slant here. But, man, they got screwed by the officials a lot. They really did. The officiating in the NFL is usually bad, and you could find any game to complain about it. That was a really bad officiated game. Not making excuses for the Chargers, but it was a weird spot. If I told you tomorrow, you know, or if I told you yesterday, I should say, uh, well, you know what's going to happen there tomorrow, Tim? Chargers are going to lose a game where Dak Prescott doesn't throw a touchdown. You know what? You know, how is that possible? Chargers are going to lose a game because Dallas plays good defense with no Randy Gregory and no Demarcus Lawrence. It was a weird game, and you're right. Sometimes there are just teams, and sometimes there are just spots, and sometimes there's just games that you shake your head and you don't really have time to explain it. And that's the Chargers here. The Chargers beat Dallas and should have beaten Dallas on paper, on the field, in the red zone. There was a million things. The one takeaway I came from this, um, Justin Herbert is massively talented, Tim. There's not a throw he can't make. I think he is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Probably, I don't know, maybe I might say number two to Patrick Mahomes right now. I think most people would say number two. I might say it. But he does have some bad reads at times. I watched it last year a little bit, and I said, ah, you know what, he's a rookie. And this year, I'm starting to watch it. I'm starting to go, yeah, that was kind of a bad read. And he's reading defenses a lot poorer than I expected him to. That's nitpicking. At the end of the day, Tim, this was the Chargers being the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to say we can nitpick on, on those two interceptions. They stopped drives that, led, that would have led to points. And that's, you know, one in the end zone. So, uh, you know, they're, again, growing pains for Herbert, but... You got you to win big games, right? I don't know if he's done that yet, Tom. No, he hasn't. And this wasn't a big game, but it's a game that you look at and you go, yeah, you almost have to win this game. Again, Dak Prescott threw for zero touchdowns. It was a defensive game. You're Justin Herbert. You're at home. You're the better team. You're the favorite. You got to win a game like this. But Dallas came in beat up and banged up. And on the other side, let's talk about Dallas because it wasn't just the Chargers failing, Dallas did some good things, and their defense really did step up. You know, I, I was bashing the Cowboys most of the year, uh, most of the offseason, and, and just going, you know what, look, I liked Washington to win that division. I just didn't like Dallas, and it wasn't because I didn't like him. I just, you know, that defense, I couldn't get around it. But I did concede that it's very possible that the, the new defensive coordinator there, which they brought in, by about game six or seven, might change the look of the of the defense, and they might get a little bit better. Tim, maybe they got better in, in week two, right? Maybe they do. Maybe that's how good the defensive coordinator is. I'm just not quite buying in. I still think Ezekiel Elliott looks slow. By the way, Pollard had a great game. I still think that you can't win games if your star quarterback, the guy that's making more money than, you know, half a country's out there, right? I don't think that he can throw for zero touchdowns and consistently win games. You won one today. I don't think that you could win. And I don't think, I, I, I'll, not even I don't think. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. The Dallas Cowboys will not win another game this year where Dak Prescott scores zero, throws for zero touchdowns. They lost 17 straight games coming into today. 17 straight where they didn't score 30 points. 
I, I just don't see it happening again. I think I'm going to use the word, Tim, this was a fluke. Well, this will segue into our next game when we're looking ahead. The, the Niners and the Eagles talk about defensive mat, matchups and played out that way. The Niners, I know you liked them early in the week, 17-11. They go to Philly and win. And they haven't played a home game yet, Tommy. They're 2-0 on the road right now and a, a nice defensive effort here today. They, they didn't need the scoring. They shut down uh, an Eagle team that maybe was a little overvalued in that win over Atlanta in week one. Yeah, listen, I don't know why you talked me out of San Fran. <laughs> I, my initial reaction last Sunday night was, oh, man, I love the Niners. And then everybody loaded up on Philly. The line actually dropped from three and a half down to two and a half. People bought into Philly. And, and that was kind of my reaction. Look, are we really making a big deal about them beating Atlanta? Atlanta, who had no defense whatsoever, a new defensive coordinator. They lost their star player, their Hall of Famer, Julio Jones. I, I wasn't making it. And I look at Philadelphia. They played okay today. Their defense is clearly better than what I thought, but they still can't run the ball effectively with Miles Sanders. Um, they're still relying upon tight ends and a rookie wide receiver to be their playmakers. That's not a good recipe. On the other side, San Francisco, you know, every running back basically got hurt. Now, I'm not uh, telling you that they're quite Baltimore Ravens status, but all their running backs are getting injured and they just keep rolling other guys out there. Trey Sermon touched the ball one time today, went down with an injury. I mean, it was a disaster. The one thing I'll say is that Trey Lance didn't get into the game today, Tim, and Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy. But all of the good that people talk about Jimmy Garoppolo was exposed today. All of the bad was also exposed. Jimmy Garoppolo has a very clear ceiling in this league. Jimmy Garoppolo can win you games. Jimmy Garoppolo can get you to the playoffs. But I think we see that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really have that playmaking ability. Now, you look at Kyle Shanahan, and who did he lose to? You know, who are the teams that he lost to as coordinator? Big-time, game-changing quarterbacks that could win the game on their own. That's why he wanted somebody else, because Garoppolo showed it today. You know what? He's effective. He's efficient. He's gutty. He's gritty. He's every other kind of middling thing that you can say. But what Jimmy Garoppolo is is not a top 10 quarterback in this league. And basically, to win a Super Bowl now, Tim, you got to have a top 10 quarterback in this league. And Shanahan knows he doesn't have one. But they're winning, so Garoppolo's the guy until until there's a need for a change, right? They win, there's no, there's no change. Right, but again, here's... And, and that's kind of getting back to it. Like, I don't think you need to portray Lance in there, right? Mm -hmm. But I... I didn't buy into the San Francisco's going to the Super Bowl crowd because of Jimmy G, because of what Jimmy G was. Sure, you can run the ball, and they did. Look, that it was going to be the Mostert show. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what running back is it. Don't let anybody tell you that, right? I mean, you know that, being a Ravens fan. If J.K. Dobbins is in there, he's giving you much more explosiveness. Can you get by with Latavius Murray and Freeman and that running game? Yeah, you could get by with it, and it could be effective. But you don't trust it in a big spot, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson's your guy with one yard to gain. So yeah. when you are the San Francisco 49ers and you're sitting there and they were on the one-yard line today, Tim, right? Who did they go to? Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy. You don't want that being Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo um, went after a defense that last year, Philadelphia, with basically the same personnel, allowed 
George Kittle to catch 15 passes and 186 yards last year. The, today, they targeted George Kittle four times. He's, you he's know, actually two weeks in a row he's had um, substandard statistics. Right, and if there's ever a game that's going to break out, it's the guy that he caught 15 balls against this team. 186 yards last year. They have weak linebackers. They were going out there with a game plan to just make sure you pepper Kyle. You check out of the backfield, beat these linebackers, go to Travis Kelsey. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't find Kelsey. And he was open more times than not. He couldn't find him. He wasn't able to, to kind of figure that out. So... You know, you have a running team, gotcha. You have a running team that it's okay. You have a game manager back there. That's fine. But let's not make too much about a 2-0 start by the Niners because they almost dropped it to San Francisco. I, I'm sorry, they almost dropped it to Detroit. And the Eagles were in this game, even if the box score doesn't quite show it. Next week, the two primetime games feature well, both these teams. Sunday night, Tom Green Bay will be in San Francisco for their home opener. And the Niners' early line, four-point favorites against A-Rodg and the Packers. Yeah, A-Rodg basically goes home, right? Uh, you know, yeah. He's a San Francisco guy or wants to be a San Francisco guy. Um, and I got to watch what I'm, I got to see what I'm watching tomorrow night with Rodgers because I'm in the camp, and I told everybody before the season, Rodgers was going to have a bad year. He's going to have a down year because he doesn't care because he just doesn't care. You can't take the off-season off, not you know, give a you-know-what, and think you're going to come back and, and be a star in the NFL. It's not going to happen. And I think that he doesn't care. They were talk walking around. That was why everybody was mad at him in Green Bay. Because he just didn't take the offseason serious. He didn't care. It didn't matter to him. If he all of a sudden flips that switch, and everybody just assumes he's going to flip that switch, you know, I don't know if that works either. I lean the Niners here, Tim. But I got to watch this. If Rodgers comes out tomorrow, you know, and throws five touchdowns and 350 yards, and the offense looks clicking, and Jones is running really well, and Devontae Adams has a big game, maybe I change my mind. But right now, as much as I just talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, I almost got to take him. As far as Philly goes, toss-up game. Give me a coin. I'm going to flip it ten times. I'm going to give you five times Dallas and five times the Eagles. I think that's the kind of uh, game that we're looking at next week. Philly is the underdog for a reason. Dallas should be favored. Dallas is a team that probably win the game. They probably win this game. But Philly's defense has done enough to make me a little concerned. Philly's defense has done just enough to go, you know what, I'm a little worried here because Zeke doesn't look right. And that's why they went to Pollard today. Don't have to take my word for it. Look at the game plan. Look at the game script. Pollard was more explosive. Pollard, they went to in big spots. Something's not right with Zeke. And it just might be his age and the, the amount of pounding that he took from college to the pros. Yeah, I was going to say something's not right with him, but maybe it's over expectations of people of what he really is. Yeah, well, what do you think he is? You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, what I watch on film the last two years with Ezekiel Elliott is he's an effective back that should time split with a, a more explosive guy like Pollard, and he'll be fine. When people are talking about him being the top five player in the league, it's or top five running back in the league, it's laughable. It's laughable. That's the Monday Nighter. Dallas, a four-point favorite right now over the Eagles at home in week three. 
Thomas get through another one. We'll take the time out after. Talk about the man, the captain, Mr. Tom Brady. Oh, just another five touchdowns today. 48-25. They embarrass Atlanta. Uh, this one's pretty easy to surmise, right, Tom? Uh, Tampa is the best team in the NFL coming into the season. They're still the best team in the NFL. And Atlanta is, they're bad. They're really bad. Yeah, well, let, let, let's talk lovingly about Tom Brady for a moment here. I had him for my MVP, and I feel real good about it. And it is a product of the schedule, which I knew it was going to be a product of the schedule, right? So I, I wasn't worried about that. Um, but what you see with Tom Brady is is he's just on pretty much that other level at this point. I mean, that's who he is right now. You look at Brady, and he's carving teams apart. I mean, he's just destroying teams. Tim... He, he, he's it's almost unthinkable what he's out there and what he's actually doing it, it's unbelievable Tom Brady is dissecting teams Tom Brady's finally happy in this kind of offense Tom Brady is everything we thought he would be but Tim I'm gonna brush Tom Brady under the rug for a moment Rob Gronkowski is back in the conversation for the most dangerous receiver in the league mm-hmm. you know I'm not telling you he's the best and I'm not even telling you he's the best tight end because Travis Kelsey still exists, right? But is he the best or the most dangerous? He might be. Leads the NFL in touchdown passes right now, Tim. And Gronkowski is a guy that he took a year off to get healthy. Then last year, you could see, they didn't play him fully last year. And he was a guy that was saved for the end of the year. Gronk talked all offseason, and Brady talked about it, and Bruce Arians talked about it. Wow. Gronk feels healthy. And we all kind of said, all right, that's great. So let's talk more about Brady. Yeah, but but Gronk feels healthy. Well, that's great. Let's talk more about Brady. Rob Gronkowski, who very well might be the best tight end in history. Now, I, I give it to Dicka, but um, and I think a lot of people would. Gronkowski might be the best tight end in history. Is telling you his body finally feels healthy. He only turned 32 a couple of months ago. It's not like he's well over uh, the hill. And he's leading the NFL in touchdowns. I, right now, the story's all about Brady, but I think we really have to take a second and just go, man, if Gronk is right, and Gronk is what Gronk was, you know, he's going to lead the NFL in touchdown passes, caught. He's going to be that matchup nightmare that he used to be, and this is going to just be devastating for the rest of the league. Well, you said it. He's healthy. And and they didn't abuse him last year. They didn't need to. You know, they... And he, how huge was he in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, Tom? He, he was great. And then he had another healthy offseason. So he's he's not – I wouldn't say he's prime Gronk, but he's pretty close to where – especially considering his injuries and his age, he's he's definitely playing above level. And you're right. That's – just even the Gronk factor, when you look at all the weapons that Brady has at his disposal for the first time in his, his career, gratefully – you know, it's great to see him whenever he decides it's over – that he's going to have this run because the talent is with him. And, and it makes them, um, you know, you have him winning. You have him being the, the MVP. I have him in the Super Bowl again. There's a reason for that. They are very good. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing about Gronkowski from a fantasy perspective, because we do touch on fantasy here and there, right? Um, usually you go out there and you look for a, a tight end. And if you're not getting one of the top tight ends, you look for a tight end and you go, hey, you know what, these middling guys, hey, score you. What are they going to do? Score you five, six touchdowns on the year. Gronk has four. 
through two games, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. We already gave the trophy to Travis Kelsey of the greatest tight end in history, right? And I told you before the year, I said, I still think that Tom Brady has something that he wants to prove. And everybody looked at it and said, undefeated, undefeated, undefeated. You know, that's the easy, obvious answer. My answer was, he wants the MVP. He feels like a couple of years ago. Remember when he had that year a couple of years ago where he threw like three interceptions on the year and he really should have won the MVP? He feels like that was his MVP year and he got kind of beat out for it. Now, he didn't mind when Lamar Jackson and the new guy Patrick Mahomes were winning it. But all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP last year. I think Brady wants the MVP. But I think Brady sat down with Gronk. And I think secretly Gronk is like, you know, I'm still playing in this league. And they gave my mantle to Travis Kelsey. And I watched talking heads over the last season go, is Travis Kelsey the best tight end we've seen? And I'm going, what short memories you guys have that Gronk still exists? It would not shock me, Tim. If Gronk and Brady sat around this offseason and said, you know, we're going to win games. We know we're going to win games. But let's also let's also get those personal achievements, right? I want the MVP. And Gronk going, you know what? I want the most tight end touchdowns. That's what I want. Because Brady's looking to him early. He's looking to an often. And it wouldn't shock me to see them have that kind of ridiculous kind of season. Well, they'll look ahead for next week for Tampa. They'll hit the road, Tom. I'll go out to, I'm going to go left. So how about this matchup next Sunday? We get Tampa, we get the Rams, and the Rams are one-point favorite at home. Auto bet the Bucks. Auto bet the Bucks. Uh, before the year began, I told you that the Tampa Bay Bucks would be the favorite in every single game. I pointed to two games on the schedule that maybe if everything fell right, and the Rams were one of those teams. I said, look, if the Rams come out and they look just dominant in the first two games and the Bucks don't look great, maybe they'll be underdogs. Well, the Rams have come out and they've looked anything but dominant. They look okay, and the Bucks have looked explosive. How are you giving this team a point? Again, you want motivation factor, and don't tell me that Brady doesn't know because this is a guy for 25 years has been crying in his Cheerios because he hasn't wasn't selected in the first round of an NFL draft, right? He looks yeah. for these things. You think that this isn't posted tomorrow morning? Guys, we're underdogs to the Rams. The defending Super Bowl champions are, and a guy with Tom Brady who's got nine touchdown passes in the first two weeks, we're underdog to Matthew Stafford. And the Rams, come on now. I am auto-betting the Bucks. I'm sure everybody that's listening is going to be jumping onto the Bucks bandwagon. I'm going to be a public team again. And I think this line flips, Tim. I think by the time we get kickoff, here's my prediction about line movements. By the time we get kickoff, I think the Bucks are a one-point favorite. No need in disrespecting Brady. The people never learn, do they, Tommy? Never learn. It's been 20 years of making money off of people never learning, Tim. Yeah. 20 years of people doubting Brady and us just cashing in money. You know, there's like a wing of my house I should just call the, the Brady Doubter Wing, right? I, I mean, it really is. People just go out there and consistently find reasons to go against this guy. The Rams are all of a sudden the red-hot team. The Rams barely survived this uh, this week. Barely survived this week. Last week, Going into the fourth quarter, the Bears had a chance to beat them. Andy Dalton had a chance to beat this team. Okay? Let's just look at context here. <laughs> and now they're favored? 
I, you know, you, you again, here's where a handicapper might look at it and say, well, you know what? It's a public team. Everyone's going to be on the Bucks. This is a trap game. Ah, I don't care. Give me Brady. He, he, if anybody believes what I was talking about earlier, that he wants the undefeated season, he knew on his schedule when the, when Tampa Bay brought up their schedule, and we talked about this when we talked about in the pre preseason, right? When Tampa Bay brought up their schedule, if they're being real with themselves, and don't give me that any given Sunday garbage, right? When they're real with themselves, they're going, "All right, guys, let's look at the schedule. Look at let's look at the pitfalls. Where are the games that we might go down? The Rams were one of those teams. The Patriots were one of those teams. Maybe Washington." maybe Indy, all on the road. Now, you, you go, do they really think about that with Washington, Fitzpatrick, and Tyler Heineke? No. Brady's going, guys, do not worry about New England. There's no way I'm losing the bill. Okay. So you got Indy. Are we worried about Carson Wentz? Probably not. They circled this game and they said, guys, September 26th, October 3rd, if we get through that part, we're going undefeated. If you're really a team thinking about undefeated, this is a circled game for a reason. I I will go out there and I will tell you, I, I know players won't talk about it publicly. This is the game that they were thinking about even before last week. They weren't thinking about Atlanta. They, they know they're going to go out there and roll Atlanta. They're thinking about the Rams. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heat Wave Sports. Timeout number one when we come back, of course. More week two of the NFL Mac Jones, Zach Wilson matchup. We'll break that one down for you. And the Las Vegas Raiders, 2-0. It's hard to believe. We'll talk about that as well on the other side of the timeout. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Staying in the NFL Week 2, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Tim and Tom with you. Tommy, will go to New York, your home neck of the woods, where we saw battle rookie quarterbacks today, Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson. Uh, one looked like a rookie, Tommy. The other one looked pretty good. And, and the one that looked like a rookie was the number two pick overall, Mr. Wilson. Not a good day for him. As Another game you loved right off the bat. You told me last Sunday night. Back up the Brinks truck. We're going with the Pats, 25-6. to six. Yeah, this was my uh, yeah my big 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 play. Uh, you know, this morning on Sports Garden Network SGN, TomBartonSports.com predicted, and I said it flat out. I said the Jets are not scoring a touchdown today. They are not scoring a touchdown today. And I even said, you know what? Wouldn't shock me if they got shut out. Well, they didn't score a touchdown. They didn't quite get shut out, but they, there was this was a no doubter. Bill Belichick is now twenty two and six against rookie quarterbacks. The New York Jets were missing their left tackle, their star left tackle. Um, Wilson looked atrocious. He looked as bad as you could possibly look. Jet fans were going, oh, here we go again. The guy's a bum and everything. Uh, guys, it's Belichick's defense. Y your quarterback is missing his left tackle. They, he doesn't have weapons. This was a resident. You could have set this line at 14, and I would have been on New England. I, I loved this game, Tim. Absolutely loved this game. And so did the public. Everybody loaded up on it, and we all we all won. Um, and then you forget one factor. And let's talk about, instead of going you know, kind of anti-Jets here, let's talk about the factor here. And the factor is, in two games right now, this New England defense looks really, really good. 
And we talked about it in the offseason. We watched how he constructed this team in the offseason when we said, wow, you know, this team's going to be pretty good here, Tim, because they were decent last year. And a lot of guys opted out for COVID. Bill Belichick in the offseason spent money, but he's been spending draft capital on defensive players. Their defense is really good, really underrated, and now in two games, and I know it's against two and Zach Wilson, but in two games, have really flexed their muscles. Damian Harris has looked good. Their running game has looked efficient. And Jones, again, is efficient. The Patriots are winning the way that Belichick wants them to win. Now, can you win consistently in this league with that kind of formula? Defense only, only running game, um, efficient quarterback. They're not flashy, but you can win games. You can certainly beat teams that you're close with. You can certainly beat young quarterbacks, and the league is littered with them. And I'll tell you what, the New England Patriots, and I'm going to call this now, they're one of those teams that we talked about would frustrate a team like Kansas City. They would frustrate that kind of team. You look at the Patriots, and you look at how they're constructed, their defense, and how their defense plays, and what Mac Jones is and where he's going to be throughout the season. You know, I don't expect them to go out there and beat Tampa, although, you know, that's an emotional game. I don't expect that. And they, you know, you turn around, you go, they have a schedule where there's not a lot of pitfalls, though, right? That New Orleans at home, winnable game. Houston, winnable game. Dallas and the Jets, again, at home, winnable games. Chargers on the road might be tough. Carolina on the road might be tough. But they're both winnable games. Cleveland, you get them at home. Atlanta, Tennessee at home. At Buffalo will be tough. At Indy will be tough. Jacksonville, Miami. I mean, you start to break down the schedule of New England and you go, this formula, this play good defense, if not great defense, run the ball effectively and just be a game manager that is efficient when we need you, Mac Jones. Tim, it's not going to work for everybody. It's not going to navigate through an NFL schedule for everybody. But through the New England Patriots schedule this year, yeah, this can be a 10 or an 11-win team with that formula. You said the defense. How about a next week home against the Saints? Minus three. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised at the line. I thought people would be on New Orleans. And before this week, I said, man, you know, if New Orleans beats Carolina, I, they're going to be the favorites. I'm, I'm taking Belichick as a home dog. You know, I was loving that. I think Belichick could frustrate Jameis Winston next week. Um, Matt Rule did it this week. And I, I think Jameis Winston, you look at game one, you go, oh, he threw five touchdowns. Yeah, he threw 478 yards. You know, they weren't effectively moving the ball through at the air, but they didn't have to, but they weren't. And they certainly didn't do it again today. I think that Belichick can make life miserable for Jameis Winston. Um, no Marshawn Lattimore for the defense really does uh, you know, a number on New, uh, New Orleans. They need that. The Kamara factor keeps me from saying I'm definitely taking New England, but I'm certainly leaning them. And we see maybe some possible overreaction from week one versus week two as we both like the Panthers at home getting a field goal. They didn't need the field goal, Tom. 26-7 over those Saints that we just talked about. And really, it was a shutout all the way until the fourth quarter. Darnold looked really good. Uh, McCaffrey did McCaffrey again for the second week in a row. He looks healthy. And the Panthers are 2-0. and Tim, they were my team that I told you. I wanted them to, to get that last playoff spot in the NFC. And I wanted to take them. And when we did our predictions, I said, you know, 
I, I think they could win nine, maybe ten games, and it's going to be all up to that one game that they have to win that we don't know about. I'll, I'm becoming a fan of Carolina because I like how they build their team. You know, I like Matt Rule. I think he is an NFL coach. I think he's going to have a lot of success in this league. I like the fact that they could run the ball, but they have speed on the outsides. And I'm a big fan of this defense. I spoke about it to you uh, at nauseum. You know how much I like Jeremy Chin. I like Brian Burns. They're not household names, Tim, but guess what? They probably should be. I'm a fan of Carolina. I like everything that they're doing. And Sam Darnold, you know, he's still got talent. And yeah, he looks good, but the coaches are putting him in a perfect position. And you can see that the coaches trust him. I don't know how good Sam Darnold is, but I like him on this team with this personnel. Well, let's see how good Sam Darnold is in prime time Thursday night at Houston. Already a seven and a half point line. Caroline on the road, seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, again, I'm a little surprised because Houston has shown in the first two games that they're going to be, you know, right there. They're not going away. Um, I think the big thing is Tyrod Taylor. If Taylor doesn't come back, I mean, this is the no-brainer. This is your survivor pool pick and everything else. Carolina's not going to be worried about going on a short week, right? They, they have um, everything they need to, to do that, which means the coaching's in place. Everyone's seemingly healthy. Where Houston is in disarray. The thing about Houston is they can run the ball, and they have three guys that are effective running the ball in Johnson, Ingram, and Lindsey. You watch some of that today. And I've talked about how underrated of a receiver that Brandon Cooks is. He showed that again today. Houston's feisty, man. They're playing for this coach. They like this coach. They, they, they're out there just giving it their all. And you could have folded quite a few times today against the Browns. I know it's a 10-point loss, but, man, they were in that game. They gave the Browns everything they could handle. It was a three-point game late in that game to yeah. Cleveland, who people got basically going to the Super Bowl in Cleveland. I I would be all over Houston plus the seven and a half as much as I like Carolina. Be all over Houston plus seven and a half short week at home. But Tyrod Taylor, and if he's there, if he's not, the status of Tyrod Taylor means everything for this game. So you can't really form an opinion until you hear about the starting quarterback. Yeah, we saw in Cleveland today, Houston jump out to a lead. Tyrod gets hurt. Davis Mills has to come in, and, and you know the rookie was a rookie. He's a rookie, Tom, and Cleveland was able to to. Get a win here at home, like you said, even though the score is not indicative of how close this game really was. And when you look at, I'm, you know, I'm not sure with with the Texans. I, th I think I like them in this game. I think seven is too much, and then you get another hook on top of it. But you're right. If, if Tyrod's not playing, it changes dramatically a game that I probably wouldn't bet anyways, Tom. But for sure at that point, I wouldn't bet it at all. Yeah, and Davis Mills could be effective, but he's still a rookie quarterback on a short week. And the short week is something that you have to pay attention to. you got to pay attention to, you know, I heard from an NFL coach um, last year, and I asked a player this year about it, and they both basically said 100% that's exactly what it is. On uh, What happens when you play a Thursday night game, Tim, is they don't change anything in the playbook. So they don't add anything. They don't change anything up. So you're going to look like you looked like last week. That's what happens on a Thursday night game. If you look good last week, well, great. You're going to look good again because you're going with the same game plan, basically, right? You didn't have time to change things, and everything worked, and everything was effective. It's the teams that lost the week before and didn't look good. 
that's the teams that you should be betting against. And this is coming from, you know, coaches and players that are telling me because they don't change anything. They don't have time to adjust. They don't have the time to fix those mistakes. Well, Houston, you know, lost their game. Carolina looked very good. No time to adjust. I'm leaning all day, Carolina. Um, if Davis Mills is starting, Tim, I might be able to swallow that hook, but I think the line skyrockets to probably double digits if that's the case. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. We're going to take the first hour timeout. Still plenty of NFL to come in hour number two. If you want to join us, 876-1340 or over on Twitter. We'll be checking that during the break at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports. And we're back with hour two after this. Fox Sports Radio. Hour two of the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton with you. Tommy, a quick programming note. So we're on Saturday, but off Sunday due to those VGK guys. As Yes, it's hockey time. Can you believe that, Tommy? Coming off an unbelievable year at Tom Barton Sports with, with the pucks. We're, we're, uh, we're in camp, exhibition games ready to go, and we get bumped next Sunday because of it. Two years in a row, TomBartonSports.com had phenomenal NHL years. Phenomenal. And look, it's all documented, guys. You know, there's nothing that, that I could lie about. It's all out there. Um, you, you know, I took I, – it's funny because I used to play NHL all the time, years ago when I started all this. I used to play it all the time, and I always said, you know – I always just kind of hung around 500, hung around 500. And I needed some time to kind of take off and regroup. And I, I took off of hockey uh, for about two years. And I kind of regrouped. The best thing I ever did, Tim. Because I can't, I've come back now. And it is unbelievable when you turn around and you look at what uh, TomBartonSports.com has done with the hockey season. I don't bet a lot of games. I'm being honest with you. TomBartonSports.com does not bet a lot of games. I don't put a lot of games out there in hockey. I kind of find my spots. I do bet some favorites. I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, my detractors. But, Tim, 39-14 and 14 last year. Mm-hmm. 74% documented in the NHL. I don't care if I'm betting favorites. I don't care if I'm not betting a lot of games. 39-14 and 14 is 39-14. and 14. I'll say this. I was, <clears throat> as you know, I was a huge hockey fan in the 80s, 90s early 2000s and then I kind of got disenchanted with the whole sport and I want to say that through all the BS that we've had to go through with this pandemic including the shutdown that the bubble situation actually brought me back to hockey the lightning brought me back to hockey and um, I'm really keyed in again on it I enjoyed the offseason I thought a lot of the roster transactions, free agency trades. I loved it all, and I really can't wait for it to go again. And, and we get a new team this year too, Tommy. So another team that I can put ahead of Vegas on my list. So Seattle moves ahead of Vegas on my favorites list. How about that? <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> you know, it, it is kind of funny because I, I talk to people. Um, I used to own the bar, and, and I used to talk to – it was a massive, massive hockey bar, you know. And people would say – you know, weren't you going to be a Vegas fan? And I told him, listen, I never really had a hockey team. I like the Rangers, okay? But I, I can't claim to be this rah-rah, big-time Rangers fan. I, I can't claim that, you know? And I said, yeah, you know, I do radio in Vegas. We're on the Vegas radio uh, hockey network. 
It was perfect before the team was even conceived. I said to you, I'm going to get some Vegas hockey gear. I'm going to be a Vegas hockey fan. Why not? I do a lot of work in Vegas. I was coming out there all the time. You know what I mean? We were looking at houses out there. I, why not? Mm-hmm. And just the the way that the team was constructed and the way that the the rules were bent for them and the way that the fan base, you know, just kind of were elitist and entitled made me, I don't want to say root against them because I never rooted against them, but made it hard for me to go, you know what, I'm going all in with this team. So I still do root for them, but I can't call myself a Vegas hockey fan. I'm out there looking, Tim. I'm kind of a free agent. I like the Rangers, right? I'm, I'm a, I was a Ranger fan when I was younger. I know I live on Long Island. Everybody here was an Islander fan. I'm one of the few people. Shh. I don't root against the Islanders. You know, I just, I don't because I'm not that kind of fan fan. Um, but I, I'm kind of a free agent. You get all involved with, with the Seattle team. You know, they got a cool logo. I'm kind of liking them a little bit, but I don't think I could do that. I have uh, my own gripe with Seattle. I used to go out there all the time, and I, I got my own personal problems with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You want to go back to Tom Barton Sports. The... Uh, Vegas made us a lot of money in that Montreal series by losing, and the Islanders made us a lot of money in the playoffs by winning. So there is no favorites when it comes to making money. And that was, you know, the first thing when when Montreal and the Vegas was announced, we knew that was going to be the matchup, and we looked at the, the early lines on not, not only, like, uh, just to win the series. You and I both text each other. I think within minutes it was got to like Montreal a little bit here, right, Tom? It's funny because I was accused of being a Canadians fan on Twitter. And that was the year after everyone's going, oh, you just love Tampa. Well, yeah, I love Tampa because my futures play is on Tampa, right? I mean, that's why I love Tampa. Uh, you know, that that's why I'm going after that. I'm the biggest Vladimir Guerrero fan on earth right now. Because yes. I got a futures play at forty to one for him to win the MVP, yes. and and you know more than that for him to win the home run title. I love Vlad. Next year, might not like him at all. <laughs> right? I, I, mean, I, sa- I saved I saved a little bit of time for that at the end of the show. By the way, Tom. So oh, good, good. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying? You you fall in love with teams that you're are, are making money, um, that you have your bets on, and with hockey and the NBA. Look, I'm a Celtics fan in the NBA. But I lean the Celtics. I'm not a big rah-rah fan. I can't compare myself to, to the guys that I used to hang out with in Boston that were Celtics fans. In hockey, I'm a Ranger fan, but you know what? I, I don't hate on the Islanders, and it's a team where I haven't made a lot of money on them, so I don't have that personal connection. It's almost better as a sports fan to do that. Now, you guys know I'm a Bears fan, and I am a huge Yankee fan, unfortunately, this year. So, so I do have my teams, but when it gets into – you know what, for, for making money purposes, I do. I cling to teams that I'm making money on. And I'm already looking, I was already looking at the card, Tim. And this is what I want to tell you about Vegas. The season win total, points total, came out for the NHL this week. And I looked it up and down and I said, you know, there's a couple of teams out there. I think Florida's probably an under. They're not going to play as well th- next year. I think the Islanders are probably an over. My biggest bet, though, might be on the under for Vegas. 106 and a half is a massive number for them. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm with you on that, my friend. That Vegas team will bump us next Sunday night as they take on the Sharks in an exhibition matchup. But we'll be on Saturday. We're going to get you ready for week three in the NFL, including our free plays 
And speaking of teams, your Chicago Bears, Tom, got their first win in, in week two of the NFL action, a 2017 home victory over Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Wasn't much to talk about offensively for the Bears, but the defense, absolutely huge today. Where we stand right now, Tim, Roquan Smith has more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers on the year. So. <laughs> That's where crazy. we stand right now. Uh, Justin Fields has more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers on the year. So I, I'm feeling good. Look, the Bears are going to win games like that this year. They're going to be gritty and ugly and gross. But they did. They really dominated the Bengals. I know that the Bengals scored a late touchdown to kind of you know make the two late touchdowns, honestly, uh, to make this a little bit close. But that defense suffocated Joe Burrow. That defense absolutely dominated Cincinnati. And I'm not doing the happy dance over here about Cincinnati because it is just Cincinnati. They were at home. But look, Cincinnati's got a lot of playmakers, and they got Joe Mixon, who led the NFL last week and broke tackles uh, from the line of scrimmage. Joe Burrow, everybody was on top of him. The, this line went from Bears three and a half down to pick them, and, and there was a brief moment where the Bears were a home underdog, uh, minus a half a point in, in Atlantic City, and people were loading up on Cincinnati, and the Bears held on. They got their win. They held on. Their offense still has, has some problems. Um, but they're going to win games like this until you get that playmaker, who I think is going to be Justin Fields, and he gets in there. You know, he had a problem today. He you know, threw a pick. He had a bad fumble. He's going to have that. He's a rookie. All these rookies are struggling, and we're all going, wait, 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 wait. They don't walk on water? No, they don't. Wilson and Jones and Lawrence and Fields, no, they don't walk on water. They're going to come in. They're going to struggle. But you can see the pop. Robinson is still a good player. Montgomery's still a good player. Komet is becoming a good player. But they're going to win with defense and running game. And their defense today was phenomenal. You know how much I like Roquan Smith. And Roquan Smith, we're in a fantasy league where I, we play defense. Roquan Smith outscored most of most of my team outside of my quarterback today. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal player. That's okay. Let's lean on the defense, Bears. Lean on your defense. But be consistent with it. Bears get the win. We get the win. Everybody that listened to the show and, and you know checked it out and, and follow us on Twitter, we gave it out for free. And the Bears, hey, they cashed in. It's a winner. So how about next week at Cleveland? The Bears, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. This isn't as much about the Bears as it is about Cleveland, what I'm going to say next. And I think it's going to be a close game, only because what I watched in Cleveland the last two weeks, what I watched in Cleveland the last two weeks are, are, is a – Undisciplined team that's making massive mistakes. Kickers dropping it, interceptions, balls bouncing, fumbles from Nick Chubb that you just don't expect. Cleveland's playing sloppy. They're playing sloppy right now. Now, they are, are they more talented than the Bears? Of course they are. But I don't even know who the Bears' starting quarterback is, Tim. And you go, if it is Justin Fields, because Andy Dalton tweaked his knee this week, right? If it is Justin Fields, it's his first start. It's on the road. It's against what most people consider a top-five defense. That is the makings of a disaster. But he is going back home to Ohio. Maybe that helps a little bit. And the one thing that you could say about the Cleveland Browns is their bread and butter is running the ball. The Bears shut down the run. So this is going to have to be Baker Mayfield going downfield. That makes me happy as a Bears fan. I kind of look at this as a close game, depending on is Fields going to start or is Andy Dalton going to start. I like, I like Cleveland to win, obviously, but... And the advantage for me lies that they're going to be at home. If this was in Chicago, I'd be all over the Bears, but I don't think I'd get a line like I'm going to get in this situation. But um, 
the the fact that they 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 had trouble scoring is going to be an issue again for me with the Bears. And you said it. Maybe maybe Fields is the guy, and he comes out and uh, he tears it up. I don't know, Tom. I haven't seen that yet. But if Dalton's the guy, it worries me. Yeah, it's got to worry. I mean, you know, the one thing you could say is that he absolutely knows the, the Cleveland Browns. He knows the division. Maybe that, mm-hmm. you know, helps a little bit. But the, the thing is, is that if you're the Chicago Bears, you're looking at this game and you're going, you know, I can't expect more than 20 points from my offense. You know, you just can't. You can't go out there and expect the, this offense to do that. They're not designed to do that. They're not trying to do that. They want to play defense. So can the defense do something? I think they can. That's where this lies, and this is why the Bears can suddenly become a little bit dangerous um, against Cleveland because I think Chubb and Hunter are going to have a problem running the ball against the Bears. But you could throw on them all day. But if Baker Mayfield's out there throwing, you know what? He can make mistakes. The Bears haven't shown the tendency over the last year and a half to be able to create those turnovers. You know, Jackson was fantastic at turnovers three years ago, and then all of a sudden he lost it. Um but today you start to see those turnovers. Today you start to see those mistakes that other teams make and capitalizing on it. So, you know, I'm looking at this game and I'm going, everybody should stay away because we don't know if Fields is coming back. But I'm leaning the Bears plus the points. AFC East matchup next in Miami. I know a lot of people were on the, the Dolphins plus the three and a half, Tom. And in this one, a, a two-injury early kind of put them out of this football game as, as – Buffalo struck early and often two, uh, two touchdown lead, and it just kind of just went away from Miami at that point with Jacoby Brissett in the game. 35 nothing. Bill defense dominant. Josh, he didn't play spectacularly at all, Tom. He, he, he got him in the end zone a couple times. I was, I was impressed, though, they were able to run the ball effectively, 150 yards on the ground for the Bills. Don't look too much into this game at all for the Miami Dolphins. For the Bills side, look, this is the Bills that you want them to be. Um, you know what? They, they said, we're going to shut down Stephon Diggs. They were putting two and three guys on Stephon Diggs. So, okay, you know what? Josh Allen, what do you do? I'm going to go to Dalton Knox. I'm going to go to Emmanuel Sanders. I'm going to go and run the ball. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, it was a good win because they were able to do what they don't need to do. Josh Allen didn't have to squeeze it in to Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen didn't have to run around like a maniac himself. They had a nice, comfortable win. The Bills defense, like you said, was very good. But don't make anything of this if you're the Dolphins. I mean, seriously, make nothing of this if you're Miami. Because you took on a team that most people have as a Super Bowl contender. I have winning the Super Bowl. A guy that should have won the MVP last year in a spot where if they went to 0-2 and you went to 2-0, they have a chance to lose the division. Everything was against Miami. Then you lost your starting quarterback. And I don't want to hear, well, well, two is not that good. It doesn't matter. You lost your starting quarterback in that game. And early on in that game, you had a lot of weird bounces go the other way, if you remember, if you watch the game. So I'm throwing this tape out if I'm Miami. I'm not making a thing about it, Tim. It's a real good win for Buffalo, but I'm not getting crazy and going, uh-oh, Miami looked terrible. They did, but there's a lot of factors why they look terrible. Next up for the Bills, home against Washington. This line, 9.5, Tom Buffalo. I'm, I'm kind of like Washington here. I, I think we saw Thursday night, as you said last week's show, that, yes, Washington down a quarterback, but Taylor Haneke was very, very good Thursday night in getting that win for Washington. He's capable. He's played you know, last year he had to play in the playoffs. So it's not that they're going in with inexperience. So nine and a half, almost ten. 
a kind of shade Washington next week. Tim, what is this, like senior night or something? Because when I looked at this line and I made my line, I said, all right, it's going to be Buffalo by three and a half or four. Um, they should win the game. But, yeah, Washington's a, a tough competitor. They have extra rest. And then you see a nine and a half line, and I'm scouring going, what am I missing here? And sometimes in college football, I miss something. I go, oh, okay, it's senior night. You know, <laughs> and that's what this seems like. This is a massively inflated line, massively inflated. I like Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins. Um, oh, but wow, why why did it skyrocket here? This is crazy to me. This is a massive overreaction, and it it's an overreaction from what a Washington win, Taylor Heineke who might be out there and put them in a better position to win than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't get this. I don't get this line. I don't understand it at all, Tim. At all, this is one of those those few lines that will confuse me. So I will stay far away from this game. I, I would think, just off the top of my head, I'm not a I'm not a lines maker, obviously, Tom. But I would think six and a half is fair. Is this overreaction in that Miami or uh, Washington struggled to beat the Giants and Buffalo was so dominant today that you get that extra juice, but not three points extra. Yeah, but Tim, they have extra time to get Heineke ready. They didn't mm. have that against the Giants. It was a short week. You know, there's reasons why Washington struggled. Um, you know, Buffalo looked great against Miami, but I just explained why. They didn't They look too good against New England. And I would say that New England and Washington's defense are about the same. I, you know, this is, it's a weird, you're right. Look, I had it earlier. I said about three and a half or four. If you were going to say six, six and a half, all right, that's fine. It's under a touchdown. I can live with that. To cross a touchdown and to be threatening double digits, I'm stunned. I think we both like Washington nine and a half. Maybe, maybe we'll get. I, I don't see it going to ten, but I think we can settle in at nine and be okay taking the points in that one. Uh, how about th- how about this? Let's just go ahead and bring it up. Raiders are two and zero. Tommy Vegas two and zero. They go into Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh heading into this game and. They didn't look. They didn't look like the team we saw last week against Buffalo. That's for sure. Twenty six seventeen, Vegas two and zero, Steelers one and one. Yeah, look, you know the Steelers are going to be that team this year, and we all kind of knew that they were going to take a little step back. I have them winning nine games, maybe ten. Right? They're going to be. That means they're losing, you know, seven or eight games. They're going to win some games that they probably shouldn't. They're going to lose some games. Their defense is phenomenal. It's just, it really is really good. Problem is, is that if you can't get off the field and they still cannot run the ball, even with Najee Harris, that it becomes an issue. And that is what happened today. I I talked about it this morning. The 17%, um, 17.1% rush rate, which is exactly where, what the quarterback pressure rate was for Pittsburgh last week, it was never going to last. Going up against the Raiders who had a 59% uh, rush rate, you knew Ben Roethlisberger is going to be harassed all day. They have to run the ball. Nobody respects this run. And guess what? It didn't work again. So Pittsburgh fell apart because they couldn't run the ball. And look, give Vegas credit. And they they did. They looked good out there. They looked, uh, you know, outstanding in some areas. But I still saw some problems with them. But the it all kind of spiraled down. If you ask me what is the thing about this game, I'm not saying anything bad about Vegas. I'm just saying this was Pittsburgh losing the game. And they lost the game because of things that they had last year, late in the year. They can't run the ball, and their offensive line is just really bad, Tim. Well, let's go with the overreaction, especially here in Vegas. Already next week, home game here at Elysian Stadium. 
Miami comes to town, Tom. You said don't overreact on Miami. And Vegas, obviously people are going to overreact on the Raiders here. This line is five and a half, Vegas. It might keep going up. Um, if Tua starts, I'm on Miami money line, and I'm on Miami. I think that this defense is the kind of defense that can frustrate them. If you watch the game today, the Raiders were frustrated at times with this Pittsburgh defense. Now, Pittsburgh's defense is as good as they are because they're very aggressive, right? Um, Miami's defense isn't exactly aggressive. They kind of sit back and wait for you to make mistakes. The Raiders are not as good as they've looked the first two weeks, and Miami is not as good as bad as they just looked. For all that the Raiders did, you know, it was their defense the last two weeks that made me impressed. Their defense might step up once again against a banged-up tour or against Jacoby Brissett, whichever it might be. It's very possible that that defense still does does well, but the things, the matchups that were going to bother the Raiders on the defensive side are all there. Miami should frustrate Carr. Miami should frustrate this offense. I think that they're going to have another difficult time getting into a position. The Raiders want to play games into the 30s, right? I think they're going to have another difficult time. This has the makings of one of those public bloodbaths where it's five and a half today, Tim. It gets up to about six and a half or seven, maybe even crosses the seven and a half if they find out Jacoby Brissett's there and Miami goes on the road and shocks them. So where do we where do we look at the Steelers, Tom? You, they get Cincinnati, divisional game at home next week. At the line's four and a half, a uh, situation where you're looking for a bounce back from Pittsburgh as, as they haven't played, I'd say, great at all in either either of the first two weeks. Ben, They had one good quarter. They had one yeah. good quarter. One out of eight. Not, not good. Ben typically does well against Cincinnati, but he's old. You know. So where, where do we look at this line? I like the Steelers, obviously, but it's lower for a reason. Tim, I'm going to ask the same question I asked this morning, uh, and I said to you, this weekend, and I talked about on my podcast, on the Wagering Week podcast, I talked about it, and TomBartonSports.com was, was going. Does anybody trust Cincinnati on the road? Are we out of position in our in our world, okay, where we're trusting Cincinnati on the road? No, I'm not there, and that's why I took the Bears today, and that's why I'll probably take Pittsburgh. Um, I might stay away because, again, it, it, it's not will Pittsburgh win. It's, you got to cover this small spread, but a small spread is more than a field goal. I hate giving more than a field goal in a division game. But I don't trust Cincinnati to go on the road. And Burrow will be fine. And Burrow is going to make some plays. But Burrow's offensive line, Burrow has gotten hit now the second most in the league through the first two weeks. His offensive line almost got him killed last year. Their front office said, yeah, we don't need Penny Sewell. Let's just go get another receiver. Burrow is going to make some big plays, but he's also going to be on his back a lot. Um, I got to worry about T.J. Watt. I believe that if T.J. Watt was fully healthy for this game, Pittsburgh may have been able to come back and win today. T.J. Watt, you can argue, is the best defensive player in the league. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. If not, he's maybe two or three, right? If he's 100% healthy and he is coming after them, Pittsburgh is going to live in the backfield and make Burrow make mistakes. The problem that we still have is I don't know T.J. Watt's availability, and Pittsburgh still can't run the ball, Tim. Jacksonville, I, I knew this was going to be a tough matchup for Trevor Lawrence with the Broncos coming in. And you just talked about Burrow almost dying last year as a rookie quarterback. I think Lawrence is, is headed that route as well. They cannot keep 
protection on him, Tommy. And this is uh, it's going to be growing pains for Trevor. We knew that. He was able to play a good second half last week. Today he was just shut down as Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos moved to 2-0 with a 10-point victory. Yeah, look, Teddy Bridgewater is just a against-the-spread dream. As a starter, he's 35-13. and 13. I mean, the guy's just it's just amazing that they just keep doing this. I like the Broncos. And you knew, right, you said it, look, defensive, just genius as a head coach. He was a defensive coordinator. They have great guys coming after you, Von Miller and whatnot. And they have effective, Melvin Gordon's effective, Javante Williams effective, uh, Cortland Sutton had a big game today. They have enough to get by. And Jacksonville is still in a position where Urban Meyer is more of the problem. And you know that I've said this. He's more of the problem than Trevor Lawrence. I watched the game today. I thought Lawrence looked okay. I thought he looked good. The problem is, is that Urban Meyer just won't let him be himself. And Urban Meyer is coaching his way out of the league already. Forget about USC. Maybe he's going to pull a, a Nick Saban and go, I'm not a good enough coach to coach in the NFL. I'm going to run away in the mid in midseason. Because Urban Meyer is just putting him in bad positions. Trevor Lawrence has a pair of legs, man. And he could use them. I don't think he has to be Lamar Jackson. But there's a lot of places where you go, okay, here's a quarterback run. Here's a rollout. here, And he's just not doing it. Lawrence to Jones, Marvin Jones has been a, a pretty good combination. I, I, I thought this offense was going to be a lot more explosive. And it's not for lack of Trevor Lawrence if you watch these games. This is Urban Meyer. He's calling bad games. Mm-hmm. The week one, I, I, don't, if, I don't remember off the top of my head. Who did, who did Jacksonville lose to? Houston. Houston, right. That one definitely a head-scratcher. Today, I wasn't expecting them to win. I thought Denver was just, you know, you're talking a top defense in the NFL, like you said, and, and Bridgewater seems to feel comfortable and that he has a job right now, and it's a great story. It really is. Next week, interesting, right? Back home, and now you get Kyler Murray and that offense coming in. It, so there's a, You know, there's no easy wins here for Jacksonville this year, but what can they do on a bounce back here, Tommy? This is a bad situation to be in. This is the game that if there's going to be a game this year where you just let Trevor Lawrence go crazy, this is the game. Your defense will not be able to stop Kyler Murray. It, it, it just won't. Arizona's putting up 30. Team total 30. Team total might be 40, right? I mean, this is this is going to be Arizona, an offensive explosion. But I know that Arizona's defense is weak. It's just, it, it still is weak. Chandler Jones, get all the sacks you want. It's still a weak defense, right? And we saw some of that more again today. We saw all of that in the preseason when I told you guys this is going to be a weak defense. The only way that Jacksonville is in this game, Tim, the only way that Jacksonville has any prayer in this game is just open it up. And this is why I was just talking about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's got to be watching the same film that I'm watching, right? And Urban Meyer knows more about football than I'll ever know. He's got to be watching this and just saying, okay, time to let this guy go crazy. He, he went, week one, you know, it's his first NFL start. Okay, I'm going to hold him back a little bit. Week two, oh, he's going up against a defensive genius. He's going to make him make mistakes. All right, I'll hold him back a little bit. Just let Lawrence go deep. Let him go and target deep guys. Forget the underneath stuff. You're gonna have to score. You're gonna have to score 35 to win this game. This is gonna be a tough one. Jacksonville plus seven and a half, seven. I'm shocked that the line is that low. Yeah. Arizona should be like a 10, 11 point favorite. I mean, I, I'm shocked that the line's that low. 
Denver, 2-0, Tom, home against the Jets. Here's a double-digit line for you, 11. Hey, that's my survivor pool pick. I already picked it. Uh, <laughs> the New York Jets are the New York Jets. Um, Robert Sala might be a good coach. Haven't seen it yet. Zach Wilson is showing some flashes. He's got nobody working around him. Denver's defense is very good. They're just like Bill Belichick did this week. They're going to confuse Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is showing vulnerability. And Zach Wilson is missing his best uh, his best offensive lineman, which happens to be his left tackle. I think this is another game where Zach Wilson just looks lost out there. Maybe he'll be seeing ghosts again. But I can't lay double digits with a Teddy Bridgewater-led team. Bridgewater is a guy that can effectively win games. He could cover spreads. He's not a guy that blows teams out. Even though we watched some of that today in Jacksonville, that wasn't even the blowout that it, the final score kind of looked like. I can't lay double digits, Tim, but they are my survivor pool pick. Survivor pool pick and possible Tom Timmy's teaser pick here. I'm, already, I'm looking at it, so it's it's tasty. It is tasty. They're not losing at home. Let's just put it that way, and they're not losing. And not to the Jets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're not losing to the Jets without a left tackle at home. <laughs> Come on. We just talked about Kyler Murray, 400 yards today, three touchdowns. I like seeing the progression. I know he's in an offense that's built for him, Tommy, but really you're looking at progression of we saw it with Mahomes, we saw it with Jackson, now we're seeing it with Murray. 34-33, they get the win, 67 total points between Arizona and Minnesota, although Minnesota's defense is just an absolute sieve. We've seen that in the first two weeks, first Cincinnati and now, of course, Arizona. But uh, exciting game to watch today. And, and the Cardinals get the win, but I do share some of the trepidations you do as well with Arizona now going on the road to a team in Jacksonville that they should be a double-digit favorite. This defense is terrible, and I'm talking about Arizona. Look, Minnesota was missing five guys today on defense, um, so I expected Kyler Murray to, to just go crazy. Sure, that's great, but this Arizona defense is bad. Yeah, Chandler Jones could sack a guy five times, but, man, they are bad, and they didn't deserve the Cardinals lost that game today. Minnesota's kicker just missed it at the end on a, a, a kick that, come on, you have to make. Nine times out of ten, he's making that kick. So they were lost in that spot. Dalvin Cook could not be stopped. But you know who couldn't be stopped? Kirk Cousins couldn't be stopped. Um, yeah, Arizona's defense is going to be a problem all year. They didn't fix it enough. Kyler Murray's going to put up phenomenal numbers. He's going to be that, that stat guy. He's going to fill the box score. But that offense can be stopped because they can't run the ball, Tim. And we go back to you know, the idea that, that we said some of the kinks in the armor of the Chiefs who can't run the ball. Well, look, Kyler Murray's talented, but he's no Patrick Mahomes. And they don't have the playmakers. Uh, you know, Hopkins is very good, but he's not Tyreek Hill, and they certainly don't have a Travis Kelsey, right? So their offensive line worries me. They cannot run the ball, and their defense is bad. I think they have enough to beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville, sure. Uh, but this is not an Arizona team that I'm getting all crazy about. We had somebody tweet us out. Our uh, loyal listener tweeted us out and, and basically said, hey, so, you know, can we start talking about, um, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals and Vegas? And he's getting all pumped up about the Cardinals and Vegas. Is it is it too early to talk about them, you know, going to the Super Bowl? And, and my response was, both might miss the playoffs. And I'm still sitting there going, I don't I don't love what I saw from Arizona today at all. They should be one and one. They didn't deserve to win today's game. Tim Ugglesby, Tom Barnes, take our final timeout. We come back. We'll 
look at the last few games in week two, get you ready for Monday night football, Packers-Lions, and we'll end things out with the little baseball MVP debate update from earlier at the All-Star break till now. Things have changed in my mind. We'll talk about that all on the other side of the break. He Wave Sports, Fox Sports. <laughs> couple more games to get you through the rest of week two in the NFL. Heatweb Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Tommy today in Indianapolis. We, we touched a little bit on both these teams, but officially the Rams squeeze out a 27-24 win on the road. They're now 2-0. Stafford to cup for both passing touchdowns. And Indianapolis struggling so far out the gate. Yeah, look, Indy is... Uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't have a good game today. Uh, even though the Bears are able to run on the Rams, you know, Jonathan Taylor couldn't really run on them. But, but look, Indy was right there. Uh, you know, I don't want to turn around and say everything is beautiful with an 0-2 team because it clearly isn't. And Carson Wentz was out of this game at a point because he was uh, banged up. When is he not? But you look at the two games that Indy has played against Seattle. Game one against Seattle, they completely and utterly dominated time of possession, Tim, right? Indy dominated the time of possession. They just couldn't kind of punch it into the end zone. Here today, they had a late lead. They looked good. Everything was going in their their favor. And the Rams sort of kind of just pulled it out at the end. If I'm buying stock, right, and I'm a stockbroker and I'm looking at some, some Monday morning stocks, I'm buying stock into Indy. I think this is the perfect time to buy low on them. I think everybody is kind of going, all right, you know what? They're an 0-2 team. This is the time to kind of go all in on Indy. I think they didn't look bad in game one, and I think they looked very good today. Just kind of one thing going one way, one thing going the other way, and they barely lost. Fun one in Seattle. Tale of two halves, Tom. The the Hawks went into the break 24-9 lead. They're outscored 24-6 in the second half, including an overtime winning field goal from Tennessee. 33-30, Tennessee all the way from behind a knockout, Seattle at home. And more importantly, when you look at statistically, not only could Seattle not stop the run, as Derrick Henry put up 182 yards on the ground, couldn't stop the pass either. Tannehill, 350 through the air. Yeah, Tannehill looked really good um, when it counted. And Derrick Henry, at the half, Tim, he was having another subpar game, and you're going, what, what's going on with Derrick Henry? And I mentioned it. The new offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, last week called two RPOs. Two. Uh, you know, look, you got Derrick Henry back there. You know what I mean? At least try to make believe you're going to run with him. They found their footing. And this is the problem, though. This is the problem I've had with both of these teams. Both of these defenses, they're just bad. So I hear people talking about, uh, not only the playoffs, but divisions and maybe Super Bowl contenders. And I'm going, their defenses are horrible. And that's what we watched today. It's an exciting game. It's a fun game, Tim. But at the end of the day, both of these defenses are just flat out bad. So can we get some overreaction money on Indianapolis next week, Tom? At Tennessee, I already seen uh, four and a half fives for the Titans. Yeah, look, you know, you look at what I just kind of just told you, right? Everyone's down on Indy. Indy stinks. Indy's terrible because they're owing two. And everything's just glorious in Tennessee. I just don't see it that way, Tim. I, you know, to me, this is a pick'em game. A pick'em game. And you're getting five? 
I, I don't I don't get that at all. I think there will be a market correction. I, I can't imagine this line stays at five. I think it probably falls to about four or so because it, the value with Indy is just it's enormous. And a lot of people made money on Indy today, by the way, taking them plus the four. They were one of the heavy, heavily bet underdogs, the home dogs getting four points and they covered. So people might go back to the well and go, OK, I'm going to get them again. I like Indy to win outright. Seattle will go to Minnesota. Battle of the Civ defenses, Tom. The total 55, and Seattle a small favorite, one and a half at Minnesota. Yeah, you know, and the, the automatic reaction is, all right, let's take the over. But five players, starting players from Minnesota's defense were out this week, but they're all week to week. If these guys come back, I'm not going to totally jump on that over, especially with the way that Dalvin Cook could run the ball and keep this through an under game. I kind of like Minnesota at home only because I think their their players are going to come back. But I got to read an injury report before I do anything. One more game next week to look at Atlanta and the Giants. This will be played in at 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 New York. The Giants, a field goal favorite over the Falcons. Tim, I just wrote an article about Daniel Jones, and while he's talented, he's got legs. The guy just flat out doesn't win, right? I, I mean, he just doesn't win. And the Giants are sitting here still telling us that Saquon Barkley is okay. Saquon Barkley looks injured. Kenny Galladay looks injured. And he looks like they're out there playing injured. Atlanta is nothing special. Their defense is terrible. I, I don't even really love what they're doing on offense at times. But Matt Ryan, people forget just a, couple, just a few years ago, this guy won an MVP. He looked really good at times. I'll just take Matt Ryan here. I mean, because... Gun to my head, I'm not going anywhere near this game. But I'll take Matt Ryan just because he's Matt Ryan. Well, we'll close out week two tomorrow night, Monday Night Football. Detroit at Green Bay. Green Bay coming off an embarrassing loss to the Saints in week one. Detroit, was it was an embarrassing loss at Frisco where they came back with a, a late rally to come up short. So this one, we like the Lions tomorrow night, Tom, plus 11. Yeah, look, it, the line's up to 12 and a half. You could get it in some spots, Tim. Um, I look at this team, and all we can tell you is this. They play Green Bay close. They just flat out do. They've covered seven of the last eight games against them. Four of the last five have been decided by five points or less. Everybody is just going out there and expecting Aaron Rodgers to flip this switch. You know, it's not that easy. As a professional, to flip the switch. And it's not that easy as a professional to flip the switch and to turn around and to just say, okay, I took the whole offseason off, and I don't like my coach, and my coach doesn't like me, and the GM doesn't like me, and the other coaches in the clubhouse don't like me, and my offensive linemen don't really like me, and my, some of my receivers don't like me. Uh, but it's, it's all going to be okay because we're playing the Lions. I just don't see it like that. One thing I know about Dan Campbell's team that I learned through, through week one is even if they're down big, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting. I don't know if they have the talent, but they're going to keep fighting. This has one of those games where, you know, Tim, you're going to have two outcomes. You're going to have 45-10, Aaron Rodgers throws four touchdowns and shuts everybody up. Or you're going to have a game that we see often, the Lions play with Green Bay, where Green Bay wins, but you go, man, Lions kind of hung in there. I don't like giving double digits in the NFL. I don't like giving double digits on – in prime time, and I certainly don't like giving double digits in prime time in division with a team that might still have a quarterback head case. I don't like doing that, and I won't do it. Do you have a public percentage on this one? 
the percentage is, <laughs> you know, it's only about 62 or 63 percent. But the line has risen from the opening number at 10 and a half up to 12 and a half in most spots. I'll tell you what, me and you in the contest, we took Detroit. But I have a play here, Tim. I am loving the total tomorrow night. And I'm putting that up for TomBartonSports.com members. You guys go check out my record. I'm, I'm crushing it already in the first two weeks of the NFL. It's documented. It's out there. It's outside sources documenting me, you know, to make sure. And I love the over tomorrow night. All right. That game will end week two. Of course, we'll have the week three preview show next Saturday night. But before we jump into baseball, Tom, I do want to bring up one quick college football note. UNLV, 48-3 loss at home against Iowa State. We knew that was going to happen. Iowa State covered the number 31-32. So coming Kicking into myself, week- I didn't go bigger on uh, Iowa State. We talked about it. I said, Tim, if it's anything under 35, I'm going in on it. I went in on it, but I should have just I should have loaded up. I, I should be on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> well, okay, so let's let's overreact here. Next week, UNLV at Fresno State. Fresno State a, a, again. This was what the game you liked as well. They they knock off not only do they cover but they knock off UCLA. So they host the Rebels. The line is Tom thirty one. Yeah, you know here's the problem with that is that this is a massive win for Fresno State. Massive win. There's got to be some kind of letdown here. Fresno State is 31-point favors uh, for a reason, and they should be. And they are 30 points better than UNLV. Um, but coming off a huge emotional win like that, I, there could be some letdown. They might only win this game by 28. <laughs> if they win 34-17, they still win. They don't cover, but they still win, and it's convincingly, right? Yeah, and that that was kind of my worry about the I- Iowa State too. The the question is, when do they pull their starters? You know, it's not it's not a matter of if it's when. You know, they, if they pull their starters in the middle of the third quarter because they have a you know a twenty four point lead and now they know they can just run all over you in LV. Well, that's a problem for us. <laughs> you know, um, Iowa State said no, we're going to make a statement. We're just going to keep you know rolling over these guys, and they were able to make that statement. I, maybe Fresno State does the same thing. I just I don't know if I could lay it today. Not today, but I'm kicking myself for not doing it with Iowa State. Yeah. By the way, Tim, I know we we got to get into baseball here for a minute. Okay, can we are we allowed to mention on the air what happened to Bishop Gorman this week? Oh yeah, absolutely Ooh. crazy Ooh. craziness. Wow, would they give up 15 points in the last 20 seconds, something like that? It, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it made national news, and I, I wanted your take on it because. I know enough about the high school scene, but I know you do, and I just said, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was inexcusable on one hand. And don't get me wrong, Hamilton's national power, Tom, but that game was over, and um, I'm not too too sold on the head coach at Gorman, any, the new head coach at Gorman, and this is a tough loss to swallow. But we'll see. You know, that they play. they're getting ready to start get league play, which is nothing out here except for one team, Liberty. So I'm really interested to see how – the state title game goes, but I think the loss was inexcusable, and I'm sure that's that's the way it's being looked at at, at Gorman. Um, and to do it on national TV, Tom, makes it even worse, right? But, hey, Gorman beat up on a lot of these schools in the years past, so I guess it all comes back around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Tim, you have something to admit. Yes. So the background of this one is, as we move to Major League Baseball, at the All-Star break, I specifically remember heading into that All-Star game, 
we were talking about the MVP, and I said, let me just start it with, look, the story of Shohei Otani is unbelievable. It's great for the game. It's great for, for uh, Japan. It's great for the United States. It's going to be great as long as he's healthy for years to come. No doubt about that. At that point, I said, look, this is Otani's MVP. There's really nothing that I could do short of winning the, the uh, Triple Crown, and I don't even know if that's enough, Tom. Right? This is Otani's, Otani's award, and well-deserved. It's a great race, but Otani's got this wrapped up. Then as the second, se- second half started, began to progress through the months, and I watched Otani's batting averages drop and drop and drop. And I went and saw him play uh, two times here over the past three months, Tom. And, yeah, he hit home runs in, in a couple of those games, and it was great. But the rest of the times it was 0 for 3, 1 for 4, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And what you said was you were worried about the length of the season this being really a true full season for him. And then, again, the aspect of the pitching, which was the so-called advantage that he would have in this MVP race, even though I didn't think it should be looked at that way. There's why That's why there's a Cy Young Award for pitchers. And unless he was winning 20 games, Tom, with an ERA of two, then you could throw those in there. But it's all coming to, to uh, start to bubble up right now, right? And it has in that in just the past three weeks, not only has Vladimir Guerrero passed him in the home run race, but Sal Perez has passed him there. Not only is Vlad Guerrero still leading the Major League Baseball in, in batting average at 321, Sal Perez has more RBIs than Otani. So I have to call it like I call it, and they're talking about shutting him down pitching-wise. I have to call it as I call it. In my opinion now, Otani's lost this race. It's Vlad Guerrero's by far. With Look at his statistics. First in batting average, first in home runs. He's tied for fourth in RBIs with an opportunity still to win the Triple Crown. I've, I've put Sal Perez over Otani now, Tommy. So I'm an Angels fan. I'm an Otani mark, but i got to call it like I call it. And this has nothing to do with the future bet I have on Guerrero either, Tommy, that I rode you on as well. So uh, Vlad Guerrero is my MVP. Sal Perez is second in the MVP race. Whether it plays out that way, I'm going to let you speak on that. Oh, listen, I don't even put Perez in, in the top five. His batting average is atrocious, and that's why I'm going with Otani. And don't give me this garbage. Oh, well, batting average doesn't mean anything. It, there's a massive difference between 320 and 250, okay? Yeah. I, you know, this isn't this isn't talking about a 290 hitter against a 310 hitter, right? I mean, this is a 70 points. What Otani is doing and what he did this year is very unique. It's very interesting. It's very athletic. It's not most valuable player. Most valuable player it should not go, and I've argued this since the Andre Dawson years, should not, in 1988, I think it was, uh, should not go to a last place team, okay? Unless you are clearly better than everybody else. And that's not the case here. Vladimir Guerrero's team has propelled in the second half to just absolutely skyrocketed into the playoffs. And the thing with Otani that always got me is everyone's going, well, he's pitching. We've never seen that before. Yeah, but he's a DH other than that. It's not like he was like playing the field. So you got a guy that's playing the field in Vlad. So why is that not compared? You know, why is that not there? It's the same problem I have with Tatis. Everyone talking about, you know, Fernando Tatis should win the MVP. He's like the worst defensive player in the league. And the guy's atrocious. They call him Tati 6, Tati 8, Tati 5, Tati 9, you know, wherever he's playing. That's who he is. Well, it's the same thing with Vlad. Vlad is not going to light the world on fire defensively, but he's solid. 
He's a solid defensive player. He's not bottom of the league. So you have a guy that, again, has more home runs, has a much 70 points, is a massive number at batting average. He's very close to winning the Triple Crown. And oh, by the way, Tim, leads the league in runs. So it wouldn't be a Triple Crown. He's got a chance to win the Quadruple Crown. His uh, walks help him out on base percentage better than Otani. Slugging percentage better than Otani. OPS better than Otani, right? I mean, you just go out there and you go, it's a nice novelty what he's doing. And Tim, I'm going to get a little personal here, but I'm going to be honest. To me, this is the Lamar Jackson factor a couple of years ago when he won the MVP. I said, he's gimmicky. It's interesting. Oh, cool. He runs the ball all day long, but I didn't think he was the best quarterback. I didn't think that, that he was that guy. and He shouldn't have won the MVP because of a gimmicky kind of thing. He should. You should win the MVP because you are the most valuable player to your team. Okay, you mentioned Sal Perez. His team's not in contention. Take him off that team. Uh, Kansas City's still not making the playoffs. I would put Aaron Judge above him, and not because I'm a Yankee fan, just because you take Aaron Judge out of that lineup. This Yankees team, uh, they're a last place team. I mean, they're battling with Baltimore for last place. I mean, that's how bad they, they would be. So I like valuable, most valuable player. I like it on teams that are contending. And look, I'm a numbers guy. How do you equate what he did on the mound against what Vlad is clearly beating him as the slugger and clearly beating him as an offensive player? I, I, I think it's Vlad. I thought it was Vlad for a couple of months now. I think it is, it's got to be Vladimir Guerrero. If he wins the home run title, if he wins the batting title, if he wins the runs title, I mean, it's got to be Vlad. The only thing he's going to be missing is the RBIs. I don't think he's going to quite get there. I think you have to do it. But, Tim, I think we're in the minority, man. I think all of these guys decided in July who the MVP was. And that was my next statement was, the guy's going to win the Triple Crown or damn near win it, and he's still an 8.5-1 underdog to win the MVP. It's Now, granted, we got him at 40, but to be – it would be unheard of to win the Triple Crown and not win the MVP. There's just no way you can It's win. happened before. Yeah. Ted Williams lost to Joe DiMaggio. Won the Triple Crown. Or, or, I'm sorry. No, no. Joe DiMaggio won the Triple Crown. No, no, no. Ted Williams lost to Joe DiMaggio in the year he hit 406 and he won the Triple Crown. But DiMaggio, that was the year of the 56-game hitting streak. So DiMaggio won the MVP. It must be the same voters that are voting this one as well, then. I, I, yeah, you know. well, well, I, I think their argument was that the Yankees were, won the division and they were a playoff team. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, like that, it, it has to be included. It has to be. I remember this argument back in when Andre Dawson won the MVP and they said, take him off the team, they're still a last-place team. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you take him off the team, they're still a last-place team. How is he that valuable to a team that is still a last-place team? And I I understand that argument. Unless the guy is so far and away superior, pitching shouldn't matter. And and a last place team, a team that's not in contention, should not be in a serious conversation about the MVP. Same thing with Fernando Tatis in the in in the National League. His team might not make the the playoffs. The guy is a complete and utter butcher in the field. So if we're giving all this credit to Otani for pitching, that means we're looking at the other side of the game besides just being a slugger then we have to hold it against Tatis. He shouldn't win the MVP. Otani shouldn't win the MVP. What what are writers that you talk to think about this, though? You've talked to a lot of writers. Are they still on the on that, that fence? Is it just the minority of it's going to go with Otani because they decided in July that's who it was? 
they decided in July that basically they're, they're worried about the baseball historical backlash. This is a guy that's doing something we've never seen. How do you not give him the MVP? That's kind of the conversation. Um, a lot of guys told me, uh, you know, in about mid-August that they would even try to split the vote. They wish they could split the vote because uh, they, they have to vote for uh, Otani. And that's how they feel. They feel like they have to do it. They have to vote for Otani because he's doing things we've never seen before. Uh, I just think that's an unfair characteristic here. I think that this is Vlad's and that's that. And by the way, like you said, we are, we have a ticket. Guys, I gave out one MVP last year, and it was Otani. I gave out one MVP at TomBartonSports.com this year, and it was Vlad. So, you know, I was a year off of Otani, and I'm on top of Vlad this year. I obviously want him to win, but this is the battle that I think we're going to have. I think we're going to remember this for a long time, Tim. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Miguel Cabrera against uh, uh, Trout a couple of years ago. We'll remember this MVP conversation. Neither one of those guys was batting 250, though. And that's the problem. 250, shut down at the end of the year because your team is so bad they're not even in contention. How can you be the MVP against Vladimir Guerrero, whose team is as hot as anybody in the playoffs right now? They're ahead of Boston and the mighty New York Yankees and the mighty Boston Red Sox. It's... You can't make this up. How how can you tell me that Otani and his last place team that's shutting him down because they don't matter matters more than Vladimir Guerrero playing pressure games for two months now? You know, the pressure game thing has to matter. It's gotta matter that he's playing his best when he's got the, the most important games in front of him. Otani hasn't played an important game since June. Tommy, great show as always. Talk about the the site. And what's up this week on Wagering Week? Yeah, guys, go check out the podcast. It's Wagering Week. And like and subscribe. Um, we are scheduled to have Keyshawn Johnson on either this week or next week. So that's going to be a pretty cool situation. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson and Bob Glaber might actually come on together. So that's going to be a fun one. Going to go over everything in the week, week three. But guys, go check out TomBartonSports.com. Got a play for tomorrow. Got a couple of baseball plays I'm already looking at. And I'm already taking a look at some of the college football. Did you see what I did in college football at TomBartonSports.com this week, Tim? Have you seen what I've done on the year at TomBartonSports.com in college football? Let's just say hitting damn near 90% in college football on the year. Absolutely crushing it. Go check it out. TomBartonSports.com. Guys, we only give two, three plays a day. But those two, three plays a day, they are paying. It's TomBartonSports.com. Tommy Fun, as always, my man, we'll talk to you Saturday night, 10 o'clock, right here on Fox Sports Radio. All right. Have a good one, guys. For Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Mateo, it's been a great Sunday night. We're back at it, like I said, Saturday at 10 for our Week 3 NFL preview. We'll get you the free plays that are 2-0 on both sides. Tom, Tommy's 2-0. I'm 2-0 on Tim's teasers. Off next Sunday due to Vegas Golden Knights, but... We're going to get you some winners next Saturday night. For the cast and crew of Heatwave Sports, we'll talk to you then. It's Heatwave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good one.